0: Thank you for listening to the FBH Podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. All right. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Did you guys catch Danny exiting stage there? It's my favorite thing. He forgot to unplug something. But hey, can you give, give it up for them one more time? Um, appreciate Danny filling in for us. Uh, Pastor Kyle and, uh, and his wife Gianna, they uh, they currently have COVID, so you can be praying for them. Um, they're doing fine, just uh, it was supposed to be vacation day for him anyway, and then he got COVID, so moral of the story, don't not go to church. Okay, um, anyway, my name's uh, Peter Anderson, I'm a senior pastor here, and we're cruising through our uh, our Love Where You Live series here, and um, we are, uh, we're trying to figure out how to love and serve the world in a very, very real way. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, We are just trying to make sure that we do our best to continue to stay involved um, in our community to the best of our ability. I mean, Jesus tells his disciples that, that we need to be serving the world. So if it's good enough for them, probably Good enough for every single uh, one of us, um, and last week we talked a little bit about this idea of of loving God and how everything is supposed to start there, so everything that we do should flow out of us, loving God very very well, and so our hope is is that that our goal would be to to produce in the world uh, this love of God because everything comes from him. Apart from him, we can do nothing is what scripture says. And so we also talked about the idea of loving people, that that's why we should, each and every one of us should be in community and how the church will not be known because of our convictions, but the church will be known because of the way that we, uh, we love each other. And today we got the opportunity to talk about what it means then to serve the world. How do we love other people who are not in the midst of the body and those who are a part of the, uh, the body of Christ? And so when I was growing up, like, I didn't always connect this idea that if you are a Christian, you should be serving. And maybe, maybe you haven't made that connection either, but, but there should never be this disconnect, this disjoint between someone who is a Christ follower and someone who serves other people. Like Those two things should always be completely and totally intertwined. Because as I grew up, like I knew I was supposed to go to church on Sundays, right? And Go to church on Sundays, and I did the kids' ministry thing, and me and my brother would ride our, uh, our big wheels over there to church, because we were like two blocks away, and um, we'd, so we'd get there, and we'd do the Sunday school thing, and man, I had so many Bible bucks from uh, reading my, uh, my, my verses that I was supposed to read. Didn't remember anything, but I was so rich uh, in Bible bucks, I didn't know how the church could afford them. Actually, it was that crazy. I had so many Bible bucks, um, but uh, but so I did that whole thing, and then then kids ministry really turned into me going to youth group. And um, like any uh, guy who grew up uh, in in youth group, uh, my goal was to dominate games and impress girls. Um, and so um, like that was the entire goal of me going. And so and I knew I was going to have to like sit through like a 10 minute message or whatever, and it'd be like, okay. Cool. You fed me. I won dodgeball, and there were pretty girls there. I'm going to exit now. Um, and uh, this idea of of me being a Christian and me serving other people, man, it it never really percolated into who I was as a Christian. And part of it was because I wasn't taking, you know, the the advice of everybody who kept telling me, "Are you reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible?" I'm like, no. I'm looking for a fun time. Um, And so, like, that's why I was like, I want to go to the best, most fun youth group, not the one that was most theologically grounded or anything like that. Why? Because I was 17 and I wanted to have a good time. I wanted to have fun. Um, And so, uh, this whole idea of like serving the church, serving the world, serving other people, like, there were some instances, right? Like, I went to Mexico on some mission trips and did some different things like that. And I was like, okay, check mark, serve the world, did a good job for me. Even when I got into college, right? I went to, uh, to chico state for a year um and i got to chico state and my goal was just to find a church that served my needs right i want to go and find like a group of people that i kind of look like and and i enjoy the way that they worship and i got into a bible study with some guys it was like a later bible study because i wanted to sleep in because i was in college right so i was like okay these things all seem to suit my needs and so because of that this is the church that i'm going to go to this is the small group that i'm going to be a part of Um, and uh, even then, like, the majority of the time, I wasn't showing up to church because I was a freshman in college, and I would sleep in on Sunday because I was up too late on Saturday night playing Mario Tennis on the Nintendo GameCube, arguably the best Nintendo console ever released, and so all of that to be said, like, church was always about me. My Christianity was always about what I could get out of things, and I think that the Western church really has done a disservice to that, because we just, you know, if we can have the best light show or we can, you know, have the most fun or the biggest programs or give away the most free stuff or whatever, then oh, people will come to our church and that's how we will grow the church, by saying this is all about you and this is what you can get out of it. And like I said, I was, you know, one of the, the worst offenders of this entire thing, but when I left Chico that spring um, and I knew I wasn't coming back, I got a phone call from my previous youth pastor And this is really the first time that somebody had said, hey, you belong, you are supposed to be serving in ministry. And so I was 19 years old, and he said, I have a job that I need somebody to do. Um, It's it's an outreach program for at-risk kids in downtown Merced. He said, okay, what do I have to do? He said, you show up, you unlock the doors, you play basketball with a bunch of at-risk kids for an hour, you talk about Jesus for 10 minutes, and then you play basketball for another 45 minutes before you lock up. And I'm like, you're going to pay me to do that? Like I would do that for free, 100%. Like, I will absolutely do that. And so I showed up, and I had no clue what I was doing. I had never prepared uh, weekly messages before, and it should have been relatively easy. Talk about Jesus for 10 minutes to a bunch of kids who don't know that much about Jesus should be fairly simple, to be able to do, or show up and, hey, just have good relationships with these kids, and hang out with these kids, because this is the only real stability that maybe they'll know for the, uh, for the rest of the week or anything like that, and it was some of the funnest ministry that I have ever done, because for the first time, I was taking the opportunity to actually serve the community, and it was in my wheelhouse, like this is what I, like I get to play basketball as a 19-year-old and get paid for it, done, I'll do that all day but it was actually serving the community as part of my things that I enjoyed, gifts, talents, and abilities already. And so we would show up and like I said, I never prepared weekly messages before, I had zero oversight from anyone else in the church on Thursdays, like I was absolutely terrified. The best thing that we did that year was we did like a, a Christmas gift giveaway, right? And so, you know, we had the Christmas tree and had a bunch of like little gifts for everybody and oh, we love you so, I'm sure it was like candy bars or something like that. And we gave them all out and then uh, one of our volunteers had decided, hey, what, what are we going to do with the Christmas tree? I think maybe we should just raffle off the Christmas tree and give it to one of the kids. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, that means I don't have to deal with it later on, so sure, let's, let's do that. Um, and so we raffle it off, and, and this one kid won, and I remember he was just beaming. Like, he was so excited about winning this Christmas tree. And, you know, for the Anderson household, like, for us, it was like, okay, it's just a Christmas tree, right? Like, we come in, and uh, post-Thanksgiving, we get a Christmas tree, and then after Christmas, and usually right after New Year's, we got rid of the Christmas tree, and it was time to just, like, and then we move on, and we get a new Christmas tree, the following year. I mean, even sometimes Christmas tree is terrible, I mean, it's just like an inconvenience to some of us, right? You're like, okay, I guess it's time we have to decorate the Christmas tree now, right? You guys have all had that conversation, and then your kids try to help you decorate the Christmas tree, and then you redecorate the Christmas tree once the kids are done because they did a terrible job of decorating the Christmas tree. Anyway, that's what it was like in our home, and so like Christmas trees to me weren't a big deal. I found out this kid who won had never, ever had a Christmas tree as long as he could remember for his entire life. And so he was so excited. So we get the Christmas tree, put it in the back of my truck, threw him in the I didn't throw him in the truck. Like he got into the truck as well, and we drove to the apartment that he was living in. And we get there and have <laughs> this Christmas tree. And mom didn't have a cell phone, so we just like show up with this Christmas tree, right? <laughs> like here's a Christmas tree, and she just starts bawling. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like we can take the Christmas tree away. I didn't know if this would upset you. Like if someone showed up with a Christmas tree that I had to deal with, I would start crying. But she, so she goes on to tell me that he had never had a Christmas tree before, that this just wasn't in the cars, they didn't have the money to be able to pay for a Christmas tree, and so she's like moving stuff out of the way and put the Christmas tree in the corner, and we had lights that we brought with it so they at least could have like lights on the Christmas tree, and and she comes in, like once everything is all situated, the tree is as straight as we were going to get it and all that stuff, she comes in for like full frontal, too long of a hug, like just grasps me and is like crying and all that stuff, and it, I was very uncomfortable, and uh, I had another leader with me who thought it was hilarious because they knew I was uncomfortable. But here it is, just this tree that so many of us take for granted. So many of us like, oh, yeah, it's a, we got the fake tree outside. We got to fluff it. No, fluff it more. It's not fluffing. Like, it's just one of those things that we just do and we take for granted. But here we are just showing up with this Christmas tree that we didn't have an exit strategy for, so let's give it away. And it, it meant the world to this family. And so every single Wednesday after that, that or Thursday night after that, that came, the same kid showed up every single week until I moved on and started doing other ministry. Why? Because it made an impact in his life. Something so small. Something that, that we would neglect. Something that we don't think is important at all. And simply because like, we were just like, hey, let's give this tree away to somebody made a massive impact in the life of that kid. I have no clue where he's at right now, but I hope that he, at the very least, remembers that, that we loved enough for him just that uh, we are going to do this very simple, basic thing. And all of us have witnessed it. Like, all of us have witnessed this idea of somebody in need. Right? Driving in your car down the road, you're going to see people who are in need. Maybe it's that you felt a tug on your heart to serve in the church some way. Maybe you've considered serving overseas a bit or partnering with one of our mission organizations or something like that. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, it's evident that in our incredibly broken world, there is an incredible need. There is an incredible need. And what I want you to know, church today, is it isn't an option as to whether or not we are supposed to serve. There's a lot of things that we talk about about this idea of freedom, we have this Christian freedom and all that stuff and and we are covered by grace through faith and so I am not saying that you have to serve in order to get to heaven. I am saying though that if you are going to represent Jesus to the best of your ability, you have to serve. That's where the obligation lies. John Piper, he's a, a famous pastor and a theologian and one of his most famous quotes is in regard to service. He says this, he says, go, send or disobey. Those are our three options. Go, send, or disobey. So either you get to be on the front lines, you get to help send people from wherever it is that you're going to be or you're going to actively disobey what Jesus Christ himself said. Those are our three options. And I get it, Like, not all of us are gonna go pack up our things and move to Iran and do our best to proclaim do our, the gospel to a, a people group who largely aren't interested in, in listening to us or listening to things regarding Christianity or anything like that. But if we, if we are going to, like, we need to be better at doing our best to send as many people into that field as we can. People who are going to go, and I'm not saying even monetarily, I'm not saying, hey, make sure you write a check out to a missionary or anything like that. What I'm saying is is that that there are sending opportunities that we are neglecting because we think the only way to help send people is through a check. One of the most impactful ways to actually send somebody is to pour into their lives when they are young, so they have a theological foundation that they can stand on when they are older, and so when God calls them into a ministry field, they know exactly what it is that they are supposed to proclaim. and, and trust me, if you like serve with our kids, you serve with our students, you would probably think sometimes like there is no way that kid is going to be a missionary. There's zero chance of that. Right? I actually had a student like that. one of my fa- it turns out being one of my, my favorite students. Yeah, her name is Michelle, and uh, when I started when, when I was her youth pastor and she had a small group leader who was very instrumental as well, but when I started being her youth pastor, she was I think she was in eighth grade in eighth grade, and then Next year, she was a a freshman. This girl, if you would have asked me to list the top 200 people who I thought were going to be missionaries who went through my youth group, she wouldn't have been on the list. Not even close. Right? She was that girl that everything was drama, everything was an issue, boys were the, the reason that she wanted to be at youth group. Like, like she, that's the, just the student, the person that she was. Incredibly smart, great family, very engaging, like had great conversations and all that stuff. No chance that she was ever going to go into the mission field, ever, even through like her senior year. I was like, okay, we did some mission stuff, but man, there is no shot that you're ever going into missions. But she showed up every Wednesday to a small group. She was at church on Sunday mornings, and we just kept pouring into her over and over and over again. Like six weeks ago, I got a phone call from her, and she was like, Peter, two things. One, I'm getting married. I'm like, oh, congratulations. And then two, me and my future husband are about to move to Senegal, and we are gonna do full-time missions for two years, and I wanted to talk to you about so if you guys could possibly support me and my husband as we went. My mind was just like blown. I was like, I'm sorry, where? What are you doing? Like the husband thing makes sense because you were all about boys, but Senegal? Like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. So I connected her with Jeff. We're gonna end up being able to help, help fund them and, do, and, and help send them as missionaries and that sort of thing. But it wasn't like the check that came first with the sending. It was the opportunity that, that individuals in her life took to be able to pour into her And to be able to say, Jesus loves you a ton. And so because Jesus loves you so much, I want you to know that I love you as well, and I'm gonna help you find this theological base. And so now, her being 24, 25, however old she is, and being married, she now is in a full-time mission field. And now the check comes. Now we have to help send them. And we do all of this because loving God demands a response from us. Matthew 25 tells us this. Verse 40, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Did you catch that? Did you catch that, that piece that whatever we do for the least of these, we are doing for God? Like Our interactions with the least of these should exemplify God's interactions with us. That as we love God, we can't help but allow his love to flow out of us day after day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. And sometimes you'll be incredibly blessed by it. And there are times when you say, yes, I want to serve God, that there's going to be blessing upon blessing. Serving on our Wednesday night kitchen crew is one of them. You know why? Because you get to taste test the food as you go along. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing simply for serving the church. Don't worry, they wash their hands after that. Or kids ministry. And you want blessing upon blessing, go serve in our kids' ministry. All you can eat goldfish over there. Get it. But man, there's other times where you will serve and people will want nothing to do with you or you won't see the fruit of your service for years afterwards. Don't believe me? Ask teachers in the room who are like, you were a waste of my time. And then later on they come back and they're like, you were my favorite teacher. You made such an impact on my life. They're like, I'm sorry, what? Like I didn't want you in my class. And that's just what happens sometimes. But it just gets, like, like, like uh, so much of it just gets flipped upside. It is so difficult oftentimes for us to see because we just want that, like, immediate blessing, that immediate glad- gratification of, God, I serve you all the time. Now, wh- when are you going to bless me? Like, at, w- at what point does, does that come, come forth? And it's been my experience, more often than not, that as we respond to a loving God, he gives us a reason to continue to respond to him. Even if it's not blessing over blessing, even if it's not, you know, oh, I'm going I'm to give to the church today financially, or I'm going to serve in this way. And so, because of that, oh, God is going to return me financial blessing because of this, or whatever. That's usually not how it works. But blessing, regardless, like we love God, and because of the fact that we love God, it demands a response from us, it demands it. And it's not just about loving God, right? Every Sunday, we end our services with the ABCs, okay, Admit, believe, choose. We want to give people an opportunity to respond to God and how, uh, how he is working in their lives. Like, we want people to put their faith in Christ. But one of the things that isn't always clear in the midst of that is putting our faith in Christ demands a response. Loving God demands a response, and putting our faith in Christ demands a response, Because when we say yes to Jesus, we are saying yes to everything that he taught in the scriptures. It's not just yes for like a get out of jail free card of like, here you go, I get to go to heaven now, right? Cool, I can continue living however it is that I want to live. That's like lowest common denominator for us. We are saying yes to everything he taught in the scriptures. We are saying yes to his spirit that resides in every single one of his believers. We are are saying we are willing to submit to him and we are willing to submit to his word regardless of our feelings about it or regardless of what the culture says about it. And we need to do so because Matthew 28 tells us that he is the, the sole authority figure in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28:18 it says then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We're going to pause there for a second because there's two very famous lines of scripture that follow this. But we don't like talking about Matthew 28:18 because that means that we have an authority figure over us. We have somebody that we have to submit to. That regardless of our feelings, regardless of our lives, regardless of how we we think about different situations, our submission has to be to Jesus. Why? Because all authority, not some, not Sunday morning authority, not Wednesday night authority, all authority is given to Jesus. And some of us in here would say, we love Jesus, and here's our get out of jail free card, but we aren't acting like he is the Lord of our lives, I mean, at best for a lot of us, we're acting like he is Lord of our Sunday mornings from 10.30 to 11.40. We're like, okay, that, God, you have that. But not before 10.30 because if someone is going too slow or they wait too long at a stop sign, like, God, you're not Lord of my life then because they're the worst. But we don't act like he is complete and total Lord of our lives. What we act like is like, hey, Jesus, you just hang out in the passenger seat you just stay right there, and if I need you, or I get lost a little bit, or, or my life becomes a little bit more difficult, then I'll just give you a nudge and help you get me back on, have you get me back on course. Have me, like, like help me figure out the direction that it is that I need to be going, because this is difficult, and I haven't managed this either ever, or or at least, or at least recently. God, Jesus, get me back on course. Okay, thanks. Now you sit there, and you can just be quiet until I need you again until things become difficult in my life again. And we refuse to say, Jesus, look, you have given me everything. You have given me freedom in Christ, you have given me eternity with you, and so because of that, everything that you do, Jesus, everything that I do, rather, is going to exemplify my relationship with you. Because you are Lord of my, because you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And we see this all the time when we're just like, you know what, God, Jesus, you just, you just stay there. We see this all the time when things are going well for us. Like when our plans are going to be laid out. Because that's oftentimes how we tend to live our lives, right? Like my plan, as long as everything can fit into my schedule and we can make it around the school schedule and we can make sure that our family's not getting too burnt out and familial obligations and extracurricular activities, and all that stuff. As long as all of it fits, then yeah, we'll make sure that we keep Wednesday nights free. We make sure that we keep Sunday mornings free. We make sure that we are serving God in some way. And so if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, man, this will be a nice little addition to my life. I'm sorry, that's not what Christianity is. When you sign up for Christianity, when you say yes to Jesus, you are saying yes to every single part of it allowing him to be the authority figure in your lives. And it's not as easy, like if your life has gotten easier because you decided to follow Jesus, my guess is, is you're probably ignoring some pieces of scripture. My life is currently harder because I've decided to follow Jesus. Maybe more peaceful, but definitely harder. Because there's a time in mine and Sarah's life where we just thought to ourselves, you know what? We... Uh, We are going to just plan our own life, our own way. Because when I was in youth ministry in Selma, quite a few years back now, that's what we did. We were just like, okay, God had, we felt like God had called us into ministry. And five years in or so, like we were a young family and we love the church, we love the people, all that stuff, but there just wasn't a lot of community. People our age for us to be able to connect with. And so we thought, you know what? We're kind of burnt out on ministry. Peter, I'm going to go into full-time teaching, and that was a time commitment. I'm in a year and a half of school, an extra couple, I don't know, weeks of uh, of student teaching, all of the red tape that comes with teaching, all of that stuff, and we had just planned it in our lives. Look, Peter can be a teacher because he's able to teach, and so because of the fact that he is able to teach, he'll go into teaching, he'll get summers off, he'll get Christmases off, like he can be done at 3.30 in the afternoon because that's when teachers are all done, right? Um... Like, it'll just be easier. We'll simplify everything. And so that's what we did. We moved houses. We moved from Selma into Kingsburg. We were right down the road from, or right down the the alley from the grandparents. And uh, it was like good. Like, we had our life set. Granted, we weren't talking to God very much about this, but at least we know the direction that we wanted to go. And so I had had taught for a year, junior high, and then I was like, you know what? I kind of want to move up to high school. So I started interviewing for a high school position like, this is where we're going. This is our golden life. We'll raise our kids in Kingsburg, and we know that community. We know all that place, and it'll be great. And then I started interviewing uh, for the high school position. And at the same time I started interviewing for that, I got a phone call from a friend of mine that I had met at Camp Sugar Pine years before. His name was Aaron Hoffman. And uh, Aaron was, like I said, he was a, a worship leader, and he was interviewing at this church called High Desert Church, and he said, hey, I'm interviewing here. I'm going to become... I'm gonna become the worship pastor here. You should come start. They're looking for a guy to come and start the high school ministry. And I told him no. I was like, uh-uh. I know where I'm going. I'm going into teaching. Like, I'm gonna be a high school teacher. I'm gonna coach water polo. Like, if my life is gonna have stability. It's gonna be fine. That's what I'm doing. He's like, all right. He called me again the next day. And he was like, hey, listen, I've been praying about it. And I know you said no. Just submit your resume to them. And just put the ball in their court. And I was like, Fine. I'm already applying for another job. My resume is done. Here, here's my resume. So I sent it off. Got a call a couple days later from the guy who was hiring and he was like, hey, thank you for submitting your resume. We have four other qualified applicants though. So because of the fact we have four other qualified applicants, we'll keep your resume on file and um, should something go wrong with any of the rest of those, we'll give you a call. It's like, done. So I interviewed for the high school position at Kingsburg High. I was like, there's no way. They have four other applicants. I didn't want it anyway. I can move forward then, I I can progress with my plan, the way that I feel like my life should go. So then, about a week later, I got a phone call from Ida at Church again. They're like, hey, so those four applicants that we said were really qualified applicants, (laughs) turns out they're not, um, and so we would really like to actually interview you. And I was like, I don't, listen, I'm interviewing for a job at the high school. Like I am progressing in that way. They're like, yeah, I know you keep saying that, but can, why don't you just come down and, and have a conversation with us? So I, Sarah and I loaded up and went down. I taught, um, and then uh, a couple days later, they gave me a call, and they were like, hey, we really want to hire you for this position. I was <laughs> like, no. I've told you no. I told you I'm going to be teaching at the high school. It's not going to happen. This is, so I actually accepted a job at the high school in this whole thing. And so I thought, okay, I'm done, I'm clear, like this is the direction our life is going. A week and a half after I told the High Desert Church no, they called me back again, they were like, look, I I know you said no, but I really feel like you should reconsider and take this job. And so the first time in this entire process, Sarah and I actually decided to pray about it first time. All of this life changed. I was a professional Christian. I was, and maybe she was praying about it, but I was like, we have a direction we're going. We have a path that we are going. So that's where we're going to go. And then all of these things, like I told Aaron no, he called me back. He's like, look, I know you said no, right? HCC, no, no, no. And then I prayed about it. I was like, God, slap me upside the head. He's like, "What are you doing? You're called into ministry. This is where you're supposed to be. Uproot your comfort now because I am Lord of your life, not your comfort level." So go. I think Kingsburg High School is still mad at me cuz like they hired me and I waited 6 weeks to like tell them, "Hey, by the way, I'm not actually going to be a teacher." So all of you administrators out there, you can also be angry at me cuz they were like, "We need someone to teach sophomores." Anyway, But God had to become Lord of my life. He had to. If I was going to serve him in the way that that, that he served me, he had to be Lord of my life. And it is so easy when we feel like we have this road paved out in front of us to completely and totally ignore Christ being the savior of our lives. And he can just come in and just like shake it up and just remember I am sovereign. I am above all of this. You need to serve God. Me, and we, we just seem to cruise along and don't seem to care that the creator of the universe has sent his son on our behalf so we could spend eternity in heaven with them. And we don't seem to care that after Christ's ascension, that like he went, he went back to heaven, that God sent his spirit to live inside of us so we would know what is good, so we would know what is bad, and we could serve people until they had no option but to ask the question, why is it that you are serving me? And then we get to respond. And say, because I put my faith in Christ, that that demands a response from me in my life. Because I love Jesus, it demands a response from me. Serving the world comes from loving God as well as loving people. We don't serve the world so we feel good about ourselves. We don't serve the world so we could be blessed because of it. We serve the world because we love God and we put our faith in his son. And his authority tells us we should. Jesus being authority, all authority in heaven and on earth being given to him, therefore, so because of the fact that he's an authority figure, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did you get that? Cause we love leaving out verse 18. like Verse 18 actually completes this thought that Jesus is the authority. All authority is given in heaven and on earth. And so because of that, therefore go and make disciples. Because I am your authority figure, go and make disciples. Because I am an authority figure, go serve the world. Go teach the world to obey everything that I have commanded you to do. And we think that it's just like, oh, well, that's good advice. Loving Jesus obligates you to serve, clearly. I mean, like I said, we don't talk about obligation much in the church, and you're still getting into heaven regardless if you have put your faith in Christ, if you serve with our kids or you don't, you serve in the kitchen or you don't, you serve with students or you don't. That has no bearing on eternity, but it may have a bearing on whether or not other people see Jesus through you. And we just forget about that. Like, if we aren't doing our best to share our faith with others, if we aren't doing our best to serve those who are downtrodden, down on their luck, unlovely people, then we are doing it wrong. A famous pastor and a leader, he wrote this. He said, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncalloused hand, a hand never dirtied by serving, and shake the nail-pierced hand of Jesus. Whew! There's a word picture for you there. That's hard, because I don't, like, like when I get to heaven, I wanna wear like the proverbial scars of servanthood, saying, Jesus, I did everything I could to serve the least of these, because I love you, and you love me best, and I wanna take every opportunity to love and serve a world who has turned its back on you. And look, my hands are calloused because of it. I have worked tirelessly serving other people because you love me best. Like, this isn't just a good idea. This isn't just like a, oh, it's a, it's a thought-provoking message. Like This is an obligation to every single believer. All authority is given to Jesus, and he said to go and to serve. And if he's an authority figure like you claim he is, then he says it's time to serve, it's time to serve. So what are you waiting for? Too busy? I get it. But he's Lord of your life. Right, too tired? I get it. But he's Lord of your life. Like, put any excuse forth that you want. And I've been there, and I am there. But he's Lord of your life. I'm not saying, like, you got to go serve our kids. I'm not, like, just serve somewhere. Because our church, like, our church, we will serve the world. Like, that's our goal. Like, it's written on our walls. We will serve the world, church. And this is where the rubber meets the road for us. Because in Acts 1 8, it really does give us a biblical example of how it is that we should serve. You'll see this in most churches. We're not breaking any new ground here, but in Acts 1.8 it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. These are three concentric circles. Jerusalem, serve the church. Judea and Samaria, serve the community. Ends of the earth, serve the world. That's our goal. Those are the three places that we would have you serve. So the first thing we need to do is we have to continue to put an emphasis in serving in our church. And so serving like in our church as part of our church, man, you're looking for opportunities to serve. We got places for you to serve. You want to do nothing but hold babies and clean up, spit up and poop, like, because that's apparently what you want to do. Great, go nuts. We got so many babies that spit up and poop. Please go do that. So the moms know when they come in here, they have a safe spot for their kids to be able to be a part of where they can hear like people like talk about Jesus or they do like little worship songs in there and like all of those little things that, that, that moms are so good at being able to do that this is now a safe spot in grandmas. Like go and serve for babies. And we have a ton of babies. You don't wanna clean up poop and spit up? Cool, go serve in kids ministry. That's, where, that's like the sweet spot I feel like. That's the unlimited goldfish but they know how to use the restroom on their own. But man, these kids, they, like, they need to know the name of Jesus. And they can wrestle with and start grappling with these truths that they are sinners, like like they are sinners and they need a savior. And Jesus came to die. Like they can start grasping some of those things in our kids' ministry. We have an overwhelming need in our kids' ministry. Or maybe goldfish isn't your thing and you just really like talking about Jesus and dinosaurs in the same conversation. Come Come talk with our junior hires. Like if you ever get an opportunity to sit in a junior high boys' small group, take them up on it. It is the funniest thing that you will ever encounter in your life. Legitimately, they'll be like, yes, I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior, I know Jesus is the Lord of my life, but what would you rather ride, a Triceratops or a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Right? Like That's where these conversations lead, and they are beginning, though, to grapple with that point, like, is what I say, is what I am doing, is what my parents believe true? Like, is this true? And when I get to high school, like, will I be able to have feet in this? Will I be able to support these theological truths? They need consistent leaders who love them well to make sure that when they get into high school, they have that theological grounding. And then when they are in high school, man, you don't want to talk about dinosaurs. You want to be in the thick of preparing the next generation to go to college? Go serve in our high school ministry. Man, high school today is what college was to me when I went to college. The society is just like pressing in on our students telling them to believe a certain thing, telling them to act a certain way, telling them to affirm things that they have grown up knowing are not right and true. You want to help hold them together so when they get to college and they really are burdened and challenged at that point, come serve with our high school students. They need consistent adults who love them and love the Bible and are willing to tell the truth to them. Maybe you're like, you know what? I came to I came to faith at an older age. And so because of that I have a burden on my heart for adults. Great. Come be a small group leader. Our consistent goal here is to have the most small groups and the best small groups of any church in Kings County. Can't do that without rock star leaders. Wanna be a small group leader? Come, sir. Be a small group leader. Help shepherd adults. You don't want to talk to people? Cool. Come be a greeter. Like you don't have to talk about any theological anything. Like shake hands and pull them through the door as you're shaking their hand, right? Keep that doorway clear, be nice, firm, welcome to church, right, one after the other. Hey, come and do that, come serve on our greeting team, our welcome team, sometimes a smile and a handshake is one of the things that goes further than anything else. You don't wanna to talk to anybody and you just wanna watch people, cool. Jeff is getting our security team up and moving again. <laughs> don't talk to anybody and watch people. You know, especially in light of a lot of the things that have unfortunately happened in churches in our in our world, like we need it. It's an unfortunate reality. But come help with security. Or, man, you're a rock star in the kitchen, just bake stuff for us. We got need and hospitality. We got people who are, you know, going through it, sickness, new babies, whatever, who just need the ability for someone to come in and just say, Here here's a home cooked meal. You wanna Work in the kitchen and snack all day, because that's apparently all they do, according to my message today. Man, sign up to work in the kitchen. They would love the extra hands. But we will indeed serve the church. Why? So we have the opportunity to continue to proclaim Jesus in a very, very real way. And we need your help. Like we need your help. But it's not just about us, right? We also want to continue to serve the community. That's what this entire series has been about love where you live. We want to love Kings County. And we've continued to do it. We served a bunch of teachers and administrators week one. We didn't talk about what we did last week, though. I think it gave you a little snapshot. But last week, we said we love first responders. And so we didn't do this massive push. We consolidated our efforts into one person. And so we found a, uh, we we partnered with uh, with Kings County Fire Department, and we found um, one guy who had been working up at the McKinney Fire. We actually didn't find him. We found his wife. And his wife, we, we knew very little things about her, about this whole family. We just knew that he was working up at the McKinney Fire. She was at home. She had a teenage son and a teenage daughter. That's it. We don't know if they've ever been to church. We don't know anything along those sorts. But we also knew that she had been going through it for the past year and a half to two years with some medical issues. We didn't push the conversation, she didn't even know we were coming. So we asked uh, Chanel Longmire, she's the head of our women's ministry. And we said, hey, Chanel, if we gave you 500 bucks, can you make the best gift basket you've ever seen? And she's like, yeah, no problem. And like typical women's ministry director fashion, she spent 550 bucks to make it cuter. And we took it to him. We were like, hey, no strings attached. Here's a note because we want you to know that we are loving you simply because we love Jesus. That's it. We don't, I don't know if you're ever gonna come to church, I don't know if our kids are ever gonna come to our youth group, I don't know anything along those lines, but I do know that we had the opportunity to be Jesus to her in that moment. Why? Because you're a part of our community and we love you. We love you simply because we love Jesus. Even this week, we're talking about the idea that we love our ag community. And so we found a whole bunch of field workers and tomorrow me and Jeff and a couple other volunteers, we're gonna go take them lunch. And we had to talk to them for like 10, 15 minutes just about why we're bringing them lunch. Like these people who never get the opportunity to be loved or served by a community that, man, our community is buoyed up by these men and women. Like, the, uh, like our job literally depends not just on ag, but also them filling those ag jobs and so we found them and we're going to go just serve them lunch, right out where they are. Why? Because we love them and we love our community. So we are going to continue to serve people in that way. And then not just we, we're going to serve our community, but also we're going to, we're going to serve the world. Man, most of the time, most of us are never going to go overseas to proclaim Christ or translate a new uh, Bible into a new language. We want to continue to do our best to support and love and send those who are called to go. Jeff and our missions committee, they do a great job. At keeping tabs on all of those people who are out and serving the world. And so when we talk about serving the world, we're, we're, you know, serve the church would be that middle circle, serve the community as anywhere in Kings County, right? And then serve the world as anywhere we consider anywhere outside of Kings County. So even if we're doing like domestic missions to somewhere else in the United States, that would still be considered the world to us. And so just this last week, we had a, a group travel down to a place called Rainbow Acres. And Rainbow Acres is this facility for um, people, for, for adults who have some mental disability and largely have been pushed to kind of the outskirts of society. So they're campers. They get to come in and hear about Jesus, and they get to have a place where they can just, just be loved on. And we had a group of guys go down there, and it was very basic stuff. I mean, basic to the guys who went, because it was their own gifts and talents. There are guys who went and worked on their electrical. Other guys refinished their cabinets for them. And then they got to sit and interact with the campers on a daily basis, talk to them, how are they doing, all that stuff. Why? Because we just love them. And it may sound simple, like they need some electrical work done, but we are providing the means necessary for those people who are on the ground floor serving our world to be able to just focus on that, serve the world. Same thing with a group that just got back from Costa Rica a couple weeks ago. They didn't change the world over there. But they went and they supported missionaries that we already support, so those missionaries could continue to do the things that they are called to do, which is love those people and proclaim Jesus to those people. Why? Because they love Jesus. That's it. And why? Because we are obligated to do it. Like church, like just think about what it would look like if we took the burden of service seriously. Like instead of like just merely opening our checkbooks when there was our need, we actually opened our planners, our calendars, wrote that in. Like, don't get me wrong, continue to take out your checkbook, but planners. Because so often, that's what we tend to do, right? Problem, I'll solve it. You need a 100 bucks, here's a 100 bucks. That's way easier than saying, you need two hours of my time? Ah, that's pretty hard to do. But if we took that burden, Seriously, we decided we are going to do something about the issues in our community We would actually do it rather than maybe complain about how different ministries are, are handling things around the church. We would step up and ask how we can be a part of the solution, not merely talk about the problem. If we decided that sending people internationally was so important to us that, that over and above your, your tithe, you found a missionary who you knew and you wanted to support and you supported them directly financially instead of through the church. And just bless them monthly. Like we would be completely and totally known, not for our convictions, but for our love. And that's our goal. Like that's what the church should be known for is how we love people. And we talked about that all of last week. And so if this feels like a guilt trip, I'm sorry. Talk to the Holy Spirit about it. But but today, like you have an opportunity outside. You want to serve the church, go serve the church. Outside, there's a ton of QR codes. They all lead to the same exact page. Scan any one. Scan the QR code, fill out the form, tell us where you want to serve, and we'll have someone get back to you in the next two to three days about next steps on how you can serve. Like, it's that easy. Why? Because we don't want to, like, bog down this process. We want to get people involved in ministry so, they can love, so we can love people well, so we can point people to Jesus. That's our goal. That's our goal in all of it. We're not trying to hide. If you're here, we want you to know Jesus. If you live in Kings County, we want you to know Jesus. If you live in the world, we want you to know Jesus. How are we going to do that by the way that we love other people? Amen, church? Let's pray. God, thank you for your son. And thank you for, God, even just that that, obligate, that we are called to serve, that we are obligated to serve in some way. And not because we have to in order to gain your favor, but because you have authority in heaven on earth and we've made you Lord of our lives. We have said yes to you. And so because of the fact that we have said yes to you, we now get to serve you in your kingdom. So God, I pray today that there would be people who have never yet served at our church who are willing to just step up and say, yep, I'll serve, I'll hold babies, or I'll eat goldfish cracker with four-year-olds, whatever it may be. That There, there would be new life blown into our ministries simply because we love you and we want others to love you as well. And maybe you're here today and you haven't yet made God, made Jesus Lord of your life. If that's you today, and I would just hope that that at this point you would say, yes, God, I I I want Jesus as Lord of my life. You can silently pray along with me. Simply say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But B, I believe you sent your Son to die on a cross for me to take care of those sins and see I would choose to follow you every single day of my life, which includes serving you in a very real way. We love you, Father. It's in your sons name we pray. Amen. All right.